In November, President Obama announced a plan to allow up to 5 million undocumented immigrants to live and work in the United States without the threat of deportation. That plan was put on hold by a federal judge in Texas after 26 states filed a lawsuit over it. But if it's ultimately upheld, the president's executive action could have substantial effects on the health care system. I'm Stephen Morrissey, managing editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Benjamin Summers, an assistant professor of health policy and economics at the Harvard School of Public Health and an assistant professor of medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. Dr. Summers has co-authored a perspective article on the implications of the president's executive action for health care for immigrants. Dr. Summers, first of all, where does the president's policy stand after that preliminary injunction by Judge Andrew Hainan? Well, there are numerous threats to the president's immigration plan, and the two most notable ones of the past several months have been the legal challenges in the courts and then the legislative challenge of Congress threatening to shut down the government, in particular shut down the Department of Homeland Security, if the president didn't reverse the executive order. That latter threat, at least for the time being, seems to be put on hold because the House was able to ultimately pass a budget to fund the department through September. So that threat for the time being has been deferred. But the court battle is ongoing. After the ruling by the federal court judge, the administration, of course, has requested that ruling be put on hold and that the plan be allowed to go into effect. And in the meantime, of course, they're also appealing the decision, and that has yet to play out. So for the time being, it is temporarily on hold, and whether or not it will advance in the meantime as it winds its way through the courts is unclear. And it's also unclear whether this is ultimately also going to end up in another high-stakes battle in front of the Supreme Court. If the executive action moves forward, you write in your article that most of the coverage gains for the undocumented immigrants would probably occur in the private sector as people receive work permits and become eligible for employer-sponsored insurance for the first time. What about people who won't receive health benefits through work? Will there be other avenues for them to obtain insurance? There are some other pathways. And to start with, if we focus on the people who are directly affected by this deferred action, the immigrants themselves who gain the ability to stay in the U.S., while the opportunity to get coverage through work is the most salient opportunity, there are also some changes related to the ACA that will now produce some benefits for these individuals as well, which is that they are subject to the same insurance regulations as the rest of the country in terms of no exclusions for pre-existing conditions, no lifetime limits, guaranteed essential health benefits. Now, for people who can't get coverage through work, they are still able to buy coverage directly from insurance companies who are subject to these requirements. So there may be some benefit for some number of people who may have the means to buy coverage but previously weren't able to because of health status. But the bulk of the coverage is likely to be those who are now, for the first time through work permits, able to get coverage through jobs, since that still is the predominant form of private coverage in the country. You said in an earlier interview that with the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, states might begin devoting less money to safety net hospitals because the number of their residents without insurance would theoretically decline. So how will those hospitals cope with a potential influx of undocumented immigrants who may, with this executive action, be less hesitant to seek care, even if they're still uninsured? It's a great question. There's several different factors kind of pushing and pulling in different directions as to how the executive order may impact health care coverage and health care utilization. So certainly for people who gain coverage, whether it's through employment, whether they buy coverage directly through an insurer, this is going to produce a benefit to these safety net providers that now have more of their patients that are covered. But many of their patients will remain uninsured for a couple of reasons. One is that not everybody who obtains one of these work permits will necessarily get coverage that includes health insurance. And we know that immigrants historically have disproportionately worked in fields where they weren't offered health benefits. 
So that will likely to continue to be a problem for many people. And separate from the private sector on the public side is that there is simply no change under this executive action in the prohibitions against Medicaid coverage and ACA tax credits for undocumented immigrants. So those barriers remain in place. So what you're left with then is potentially an increase in coverage for some of these immigrants, but for others, they'll remain uninsured. And now potentially, though, without the risk of deportation so salient in their mind, they might come forward and pursue medical care, as you said. So there is this push and pull, and it's not clear. There will probably be some providers and some safety net organizations that see an increase in demand from their uninsured immigrant patients who potentially before were a little bit reluctant to come out into the healthcare sector. But those funding streams are gradually going down under the ACA. My guess is that on the whole, the increase in coverage is probably going to be beneficial to these safety net providers, but there are always kind of differences that some providers get a bigger share and some providers get a smaller share of the coverage gains. And so we might see some real stress in certain settings. You note in your article that eliminating the threat of deportation may also encourage more undocumented parents to sign up their U.S.-born children for health care coverage. How do you think the uncertainty about long-term immigration policy in the United States is going to affect people's willingness to do just that, to get coverage for children and other eligible family members? Right. There have been several studies over the past 10 or 15 years that have shown that even when you're talking about people who are citizens and therefore eligible for public programs, they often live in families that have more complicated immigration status, that a child might be born in the U.S. and therefore a citizen, but their parents are undocumented or you have multiple generations of a family living together, and some of them are citizens or legal residents, but others aren't. And because of that, there's a very understandable fear of going to a government office and applying for coverage and providing documentation that might thought to be risk for getting family members deported. So as long as the policy that the president has announced remains in legal limbo, it's unlikely that that would change. But if and when the executive action plan goes into effect, it's almost certainly the case that for some of these families, there will be a huge relief from that constant fear of immigration deportation, and that would then let them sign up children or siblings or other family members for coverage that they are entitled to through Medicaid or through the ACA's tax credits and the exchanges. And so there might be real positive spillover effects in some of these communities among citizens and legal residents, as well as some of the undocumented immigrants directly targeted by this deferred action. You also note in your article that legal permanent residents are still uninsured at a substantially higher rate than U.S.-born citizens. What barriers keep them from obtaining health insurance, and has the ACA had any effect on their options? You know, my co-author, Wendy Parmet, had a nice perspective piece a year or two ago in New England Journal outlining some of the opportunities and challenges related to coverage for legal immigrants. And the first barrier is the five-year waiting period that's a part of Medicaid eligibility rules. So even if someone is here legally and has their green card, has their permanent resident status, they have to be here for five additional years before they become eligible for Medicaid, even if they meet the other income or other family circumstance requirements for coverage. So that's a big barrier, especially when you're talking about a population that is disproportionately lower income and disproportionately, again, working in industries where health insurance benefits are less commonly offered. So many of these families have full-time employees in the family and working, but simply not able to get coverage that either covers themselves or potentially covers family members. And so the ACA has made some impact there. The availability of the tax credits for coverage in the marketplaces is available to legal permanent residents, and there is no waiting period. So that can make a really large impact in certain income ranges, particularly for those at or above the 100% of poverty. The challenge is in states that are not expanding Medicaid, and for those immigrants who, even though they're here with a green card, have been here less than five years, there still remain 
few options that the ACA simply hasn't really changed their reality. And so that is why we still see higher rates of uninsured adults in this group. Finally, even if the president's executive action is upheld, you write that most undocumented immigrants will remain significantly limited in their ability to obtain health insurance and access to care. Do you see any possible solutions to that ongoing problem given the current political climate? I think fundamentally when you look at the way that people get coverage in our country, there's still the private insurance pathway that's primarily employment-based. That requires people being able to legally work here in the fields that are most likely to offer insurance coverage. And when you look at the Deferred Action Program affecting up to 5 million adults, that still leaves that many or more undocumented immigrants. The population's estimated to be about 11 million, depending on what numbers you look at. And so that leaves a whole lot of people who still don't really have a pathway to legal employment. And then you still also have these legislative barriers in place in Medicaid and in the exchanges that will keep those who are outside of the workforce from having a pathway to coverage. And so what you're ultimately, I think, really depending on in the long-term solution of access to coverage and then access to health care for many undocumented immigrants is the so-called path to citizenship. If there were an ability in a current Congress to pass a bipartisan comprehensive immigration reform bill, then we would see a 5 or 10 or 15-year process through which people currently who are undocumented would be able to obtain legal status and ultimately be eligible if they were unable to get coverage through work through these other mechanisms. But right now, when you look at the climate in Washington, two of the most contentious issues in an already highly contentious and polarized environment are immigration and health care. And so when you marry the two of those together, it becomes very hard to see a pathway out that involves Congress passing a bill that the president would sign, at least under the current divided government and political atmosphere. Thank you, Dr. Summers.